I dealt with severe depression when I was around 19, 18 years old. And I, I was like reaching the end of my rope in many ways. I didn't want to leave the house. I didn't want to get up. I was eating a lot of junk food um, just to bottle up all that like anger and hate and all of those thoughts and feelings. And, you know, there was a moment where we're just standing and staring outside of the window. And I'm like, you know what? I've had enough of this feeling. This is the One Day Podcast. My name is Omar Al-Majali, and each week I am bringing you some of the most accomplished and inspiring minds in the Middle East and the world to give you a glimpse of their professional life and pull back the curtain a bit on the real and untold story of their success to inspire you and help you learn from those who have walked the walk so you could move one day closer to your own goals. Hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone, and great to have you here for another great episode and a great conversation with a great guest. Today with us is a figure of inspiration to the youth of our region, Amna al-Haddad. From an almost crippling depression to world medals in a sport dominated by men, Amna defied all social norms when she made history for being the first Emirati and GCC national female to compete in weightlifting and CrossFit competitions all over the world, and the only Muslim woman to do it covered. She took part in the Olympic qualifiers in 2016 in Rio that handed UAE a spot. One of Amna's major milestones was her involvement in creating the Nike Pro Hijab product line and campaign. Today, Amna is a mental health advocate and a leading inspirational figure with a mission and purpose to inspire and educate others to become leaders of their own life. There is no doubt that this is going to be an exciting episode. Welcome, Amna. Thank you so much for having me, Omar. I'm very excited for this conversation and uh, let's get going. <laughs> let's get going. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy uh, that uh, you found the time for this and I'm excited about um, the amazing inspiration that I'm sure that's going to come out of this conversation. So let's start with the easy question. Did you ever think that you'll be sitting where you are? Did you ever think that I'll be here one day? Not at all. I had zero expectation, uh, zero plan for any of this. So sometimes I am still shocked by it, but then um, I believe that when you do things from a right place or with the right intentions, things kind of grow on their own and they create a story of their own and you don't always have control over that. Nice. Nice. I like that. (laughs) Um, I'm the theme of the podcast. The name of the podcast is One Day. And the reason why it's One Day is because sometimes all it takes is for us to reach greatness is one day change. And some of the greatest, sometimes what separates us from doing amazing things and from tapping into our potential is doing thing one day, or it could be a moment, or it could be the simplest of things. And for you, it was a walk, literally a walk one day saved your life. And I think this is maybe a good place for us to start. Tell us briefly, how did the walk save your life and literally got you to where you are today? That's a great question. And I do believe that it takes that one moment, one second to change our life. And sometimes we don't know what that moment looks like. But once we can go back to it and realize what it did, it has played a huge role. So in my in my situation, um, so I dealt with severe depression when I was around 19, 18 years old. And I I was like reaching the end of my rope in many ways. I didn't want to leave the house. I didn't want to get up. I was eating a lot of junk food um, just to bottle up all that like anger and hate and all of those thoughts and feelings. 
And, you know, there was a moment where we're just standing and staring outside of the window. And I'm like, you know what? I've had enough of this feeling. I've had enough. And once I had that moment of feeling I've had enough, it led me to go just for a walk. I didn't like, you know, I didn't expect or plan anything. I just wanted to get out of the house and go for a walk. And it was the summer. It was hot as hell, too. Yeah. But I wanted to go and I really just wanted to go and get out. And I went to Safa Park, which is an iconic park here in Dubai. And that park, like I just walked around a couple of rounds and I was sweating a lot. And I was feeling, you know what? I'm sweating all the negativity out of my body, like the thoughts, the feelings. They were just releasing from my body. And that day really changed how I felt about the idea of taking action, the idea of making a decision. Because I decided, because you can easily decide and not do anything. I can literally sit and decide, you know what, I want to go for a walk. But I'm still sitting in my mind, so I decided, but in reality, I have not. So it has to be followed by action. And that's what I did. And that day saved my life in that sense, because I learned the power of taking action. And I took action. And once I took that action, it became easier to take new action every single day. Our bodies like to be in this autopilot state. We like even even the self-loathing we are in, it is comfortable for us. Let's yes. be honest. Yes. It is so yes. comfortable. We know, we know it. We know mm. how it feels like. So we like to sit there. We like to be like, I hate my life, but it's familiar. Um, it's familiar, I'm, yes. I'm comfortable sitting, you know yeah. what I mean? So that feeling is what that's what happened with me that day, is that I learned that you know what, I have the power in me to make a conscious choice mm. to change my life yes. by deciding and taking action. Very simple. Very like, simple. Whoa, Yeah. <laughs> as simple as literally taking self-responsibility for the way you were feeling. You're like, I want to snap out of this. And this and, and you snapping out of it and actually, you know, taking control of the situation by managing your emotion, that built momentum. And I think it just exploded from there, which I think people need to know. It's the simplest of things and it's baby steps that honestly, you know, get you to, to where you want to get sometimes. Absolutely. So I want to talk about the transition to you falling in love with the weightlifting uh, sport or this whole world. Maybe take me back to the first time you actually went to a gym and decided to, to, to lift weights, uh, whether it was a bar, a dumbbell, whatever it is. What was going on in your head? You know, were you intimidated by the men who were there? Were you maybe insecure? Uh, so how it started out is uh, I used to go to a female-only gym. So I didn't really feel intimidated by any men at that time. Um, and I remember I used to do a lot of like bodybuilding things, not like Olympic weightlifting. So there's a lot of different aspects to strength training that maybe people are not aware of. So you have powerlifting, you have Olympic weightlifting, you have general strength training, you have bodybuilding. So they're all different ways of training. So I started just generally like going to like the gym to do bodybuilding, lifting some dumbbells here and there. And then I found out about deadlifts. And I love uh. that. Deadlifts <laughs> uh, isn't the isn't the isn't the preferred thing to do at a gym for an average person. So good for you. So when I started like lifting weights, and I saw I was able to lift like heavier and heavier. Of course, like what is heavy is very subjective to the person. So don't yeah. ever think that a certain number is not heavy enough just because somebody else can do more. So at that time, I just started to learn about like lifting, and I learned about CrossFit throughout that journey of me going to the gym and doing like general bodybuilding, let's say. And through CrossFit, I was introduced to Olympic weightlifting. And that's what I like the most because I don't like endurance. I cannot run to save my life. <laughs> But if you ask me to lift weights, sure, I'll do that. But I'm not going to run. 
Um, and that's when I decided to focus on learning more about Olympic weightlifting. And slowly I switched to a mixed gym. And that's when it was very like a different uh, playing ball field. Game. It's a different ball game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, it was actually like nice to have uh, men being supportive. They were not necessarily looking down at me. Um, I would say the women were a bit more like, what is she doing? But the men were more supportive. Like, of course, they were trying to help me understand how to lift weights. But I'm like, dude, I didn't ask you for help. You know? <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> so it was that's how it all started out and uh, that's how uh, my experience was with starting lifting or getting introduced to lifting so you talked about how the girls in the gym would be like you know what the heck is she doing did you ever feel like like were you ever made f- f- like did you ever feel guilty or ashamed the fact that you were you know into it and, and you wanted to learn more about it like all and I think this is like where society plays a huge role in the roles they assign to female male and all of those things and the one thing I love about sports is that that barbell does not know who is lifting it where you're from your age your skin color your like nationality like your uh you know gender whatever so it does not know so why are we as a society attributing certain characteristics to certain sports when the sport itself only knows whether you can perform or not. So, so I never felt guilty or ashamed. I did what felt right for me and my body likes to lift weights. Like it's just how my body is. I'm not someone who has a lot of flexibility. I could never do a split because my body is not meant to do splits, but my body can handle load. I can Mm -hmm. handle lifting weights. So in the end it's about like what you enjoy, what feels good for your body and what is also right for your body. Yeah. I like that. I love what you said with, you know, the dumbbell doesn't even know who's carrying it. That's that's really deep. Um, and I was going to talk about this whole societal categorization of sports, but you addressed it perfectly, to be honest, uh, in this statement and, and the way you described it. Were you ever in a situation where you had to have like hard conversations with your family trying to convince them that this is a sport I love or were they fully supportive from the beginning? Of course, they were not fully supportive. <laughs> I mean, it's nice to think they might have been, but um, they had their concerns, you know, me being a woman doing the sport. And at the time, I was also covered. So what kind of message was I sending? So those kind of things that, you know, in the end, like you have to keep in mind, like our parents and grandparents, and like the older society, they're a different generation. They live through a different way of living. But what's funny is that when they were younger, they used to play in mixed like groups. It was normal back then. You know, everybody knew everybody. So now it's not the same thing. So for them, it was more of a concern of like, is she going to get hurt? Is someone's going to like, uh, you know, bully her or whatever? It's not something they necessarily enjoy the sport choice. But eventually they saw uh, the transition of my mental health and my personality because of sports. And once they saw that, change they realize that it's not about the sport itself it's about what sport can do for a person and that itself gives them that sense of like not huge disagree like they were not as against it they yeah, weren't as against it as much because they because exactly. they knew that this was going to save their daughter's life exactly Basically. exactly of exactly course. of course uh, so they overlooked this um baseless um uh, categorization of sports exactly yeah there's a quote I found on your website that says, in a society that makes no space for us to express, experiment, and heal, we must create it ourselves. 
who are you referring to by us? And can you explain how is that manifesting today or how does that take place today? Do you think it still rings true today? Actually, I have to ask you a question. I don't remember where I said that. Might have been a while back. <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> it happens to me sometimes. So I, I just was going for the questions. I'm like, wait a minute. I don't remember where I said that. But do you agree? Do you do you feel like maybe our society, our, the Arab world, doesn't give maybe females as much space to express, experiment, and heal because of our traditions and because of our cultures and maybe religion? I feel like I need to reflect on it a lot more deeply before I can read. Really yeah, you seem to be properly. a very deep per- person and you need to look at things from a deep perspective. I like yes, that. Yes, I do. <laughs> we'll, we'll, circle, we'll circle back to it. Okay. Um, I want to talk about maybe how the journey has evolved organically to get you to where you are today. What started out as a walk turned into, um, you know, gaining uh, passion or having passion or towards the weightlifting world um, and that sport. And then it became a career. And then all of a sudden um, you're in this place where you were able to find your motivational voice and you're inspiring others. Do you think that the purpose all along from the beginning was for you to get into the space where you are today you know, advocating for mental health and inspiring and leading others? Yes and no, not completely. Um, I believe that the journey uh, ser- served the main purpose of being a process for my own healing first and for first most. Um, I think it's important that we do things and think about purpose. A lot of us, like what we're taught right now and what we see in the media, it's always, always about others. It's always about others. It's like we have to be selfless. We cannot be selfish. You know, and I believe that sometimes you go through life because we need to heal ourselves so we can actually help others. So I didn't focus on healing or helping others through my story, but my story as a result of my own healing, it creates healing in the world. I believe that. And I believe that once we have the true intentions, again, like they have to be pure intentions, then those what you see is the result of that. So I never expected to be a motivational speaker who comes on like to speak to events about my story and mental health and my depression and all of that stuff. But it became as a result of me doing something that felt right for myself. So it wasn't my intention to go and motivate others because I don't think that is pure. Like who are who is anyone just yeah. to have that intention? Yeah. Oof, that's a very powerful message. And I hope people take note of it because sometimes um I do things for me and um I sometimes question, am I being selfish or am I not being selfish? But at the same time, I know that if I am not in a headspace uh, to give and provide, I'm not going to be able to give and provide, right? You can only give what you have. So I, I love what you said about sometimes you need to be selfish and think about yourself first, because only then are you in a position to serve and only then are you in a, in a position to have a purpose towards other people. Um, strong message. I agree with it completely. It's like this oxygen mask analogy. And flights, they always tell you, put your oxygen mask first before you put it for someone else. So save yourself first before you think of of saving others. Exactly. Absolutely. Powerful stuff. Um, So do you think that the narrative of, because I look at you today and I think you're doing incredible stuff. Do you think that the narrative or the old narrative of Amna, you know, being the first female GCC uh, Arab to, to, to represent, um, you know, our region, uh, covered doing weightlifting, non-female uh, like you sports. Do you think like that narrative gets old or do you feel like that narrative maybe underrepresent all that Amna al-Haddad is today? It does, absolutely. Um, so 
again, like I mentioned, you know, when I set out to do what I do, it was never to break any barriers. It was never to be the first in anything. It just happened as a consequence of me doing something and me doing and taking action towards something that felt right for me. And the, the media plays a huge role in creating that narrative and story. Like that's a story that they wanted to focus on because it's what's hot for them. It's what mm, says. Yes, you know? yes, yes. You know, and for me, I know because I used to be a journalist. I don't know if you know this or not, but I used to actually work as a journalist. I know that. I know that. You so, did that in parallel in so, the beginning. Yeah, exactly. So I did that before I actually switched to full-time sports. And uh, those things can actually be very harmful because when you're young and naive, you can easily take on that story and make it your own. Yeah. So it took me a while to, to uh, take, take, yeah, and take out those layers. I'm like, you know what? This is not really who I am. It's what I've been told I need to think or feel like. So once you have that awareness, you realize that a lot of things that we, you read, see, and hear, whether it's about yourself or others, it's just a projection. It's just uh, what feels uh, hot in the moment or what is more uh, uh, controversial. It's not about the true story. So finding my own voice within all of that has been the maybe the most challenging thing in the last few years is trying to see like who is really Amna and you know who is like the media saying she is. Yeah, yeah. And I, I I remember reading in one of the articles like you say something along the lines of when we label ourselves, we typically limit our potential. When we label ourselves as depressed or as this, as that. Uh, that typically becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and becomes all that we become. And, the, and, and because labels tend to box us, as you had stated it, and I couldn't agree more with that statement because um, we are much more than the labels that are placed on us by society or media or whatever it is, um, if we allow ourselves to recognize that. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I'm not a fan of labels at all. Sometimes they help categorize things especially when something is new, people don't fear it so much. Yeah. But uh, sometimes also they can cause a lot of harm and then you can only see yourself as that. And mm-hmm. outside of that, you feel completely lost. And that is not a nice feeling for sure. Yes, yes. It shakes your world when you know that, oh, maybe I'm not that. Then what What? Yeah. what am I? Ask, well, yeah. ask those questions. Like start asking those questions at any point and you, you'll get incredible answers if you're open to the process of of really getting to know yourself i think people don't spend enough time like getting to know themselves which is crazy yeah absolutely like i take a lot of time just to self-reflect and go through my uh you know uh, life and things i've been through and what they mean to me and sometimes it's also okay to realize what something meant to you in the past can change what it means to you now you can change the story of what something meant in the past versus what it means now. And that is also very powerful because it's part of growth, part of like seeing things in a new light with a new understanding as well. 100%. 100%. We often typically see the success part of people who are in the sports industry or celebrities or, or, or whatever. Talk to me about the pain and the compromises that you had to make along the way, because obviously the media will only celebrate Amna if she has accomplished something, but I'm pretty sure they don't do justice to all the work that has been done behind the scenes. Give us a glimpse of of that. So one of them is I actually had to quit my job to pursue sports full time. And I did it without any plans. Like I, like I had no income coming in whatsoever for months and months at a time. Wow. And I had to figure out like how to raise funds for it. Um, and doing something that is very new, especially in our society here, 
um, it's not necessarily going to be supported fully uh, as you do something like uh, like Olympic weightlifting as a female. So there's a lot of uh, resistance from society as to supporting such sport and or such women doing such sport. So that's one of the main things that I struggled with. And um, the other challenges were some of them were very physical. Um, I did not have the right foundation to be the perfect athlete. You don't, you know, start Olympic weightlifting as a sport at the at the, in in your twenties. Some people you you would see might might do be might do uh, well in their twenties if they had let's say gymnastics as a background when they were a kid. But I never did any actual sports as a, a child. I was active, but you know, by, like biking, swimming here and there, but it was not consistent. Uh, activity in my life it was not like I was doing sports you know uh, three four times a week so I had to deal with a lot of like physical challenges to be able to get my body ready for something like a sport like Olympic weightlifting um, and I actually moved to the U.S. to live alone uh, away from my family away from everyone that I know to focus on training and getting the proper um, uh, techniques and proper understanding of how to qualify and be a better athlete so all of those things really took a havoc on my mental health and they were not easy to deal with because I did a lot of it like solo and yeah. uh, you can have people sending you messages, uh, good luck, pat on the back and everything, but which I appreciate, but it does not necessarily have the same impact as having someone with you throughout all of that. Yeah. And you're the only one who's with you throughout all of that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm awesome. <laughs> I'm glad you you painted the picture for us because people tend to oversee the hard work that goes into things sometimes they only see the result and 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 they think that's it but there's a lot beyond that tip of the iceberg. So what message do you have to people out there who maybe are on the verge of giving up uh, on a dream or a passion because they realized wow there's that's a lot of work. I wouldn't give up because uh, uh of a lot of work. If it is causing you pain and it is causing you your mental health, then don't continue or take a break or change or or redirect. So I talk about redirecting quite a lot because even for myself, like during that time when I was on the verge of like, I got injured just prior to the Olympic qualifiers. uh, And that was six months before the qualifiers in April. And the doctors told me that if I continue lifting, I'll be hurting myself for the rest of my life. And that was like, I didn't want to take that as a, like as a final answer. And I also gave up so much to be able to train and get ready for the biggest event coming up in six months. So I had to make a choice then. Do I continue the path or do I, you know, just close the book on it and ma'as-salama? So in my head, I had to ask myself, will I regret not seeing how far I can go and, and ask myself, what if? My answer immediately was yes. I didn't have to think about it. It was yes. I was going to be in pain training for it. That's not something I can deny. I was struggling financially before the Olympic qualifiers, majorly actually. And I still decided to go ahead with it because they told me, Amna, you are picked to compete with us at the aging championships that's going to qualify us for the Olympics. Of course, without a doubt, I went for it. And I told myself, only after the event, based on the results, I will decide whether I want to continue or I want to choose a different path. Yeah, yeah. So I had to, I, I held myself accountable to the goal. 
I my mental health was also suffering at the, at the time as well. And that's a big part of mental health. We're gonna touch on as well, I think. Yeah, we're gonna touch on. Um, <laughs> and uh, so that's where where I would say you really need to like really ask yourself and be honest with yourself. If you no longer are happy doing what you're doing and it's causing you like so much pain mentally, then then it's okay to say, you know what, it's not right for me right now or forever. It's fine. You can close the book on that. Who are you reporting to? Who are you reporting? When you're pursuing something in your life, it should be something that makes you feel, not even should be, but you, I don't like use the word should, but it is something that gives you that sense of fulfillment, sense of power. And it's not always going to be nice and great and rosy and blah, 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 rainbows, you know? Sometimes it's going to be like painful. It's going to be messy. It's going to be ugly it's gonna be like just you know and it's okay to go through all of that as long as in the end of the day you feel good about yourself and what you achieved for yourself you don't have to report to anyone so what was happening with me is that I had to remind myself you know what I started to lift for Amna I didn't lift for society I wasn't lifting because of the media and they're covering me or the brands that were sponsoring me I wasn't lifting for those people. I was lifting for me and it, the fact that it made me feel strong. So that's what pushed me through that last six month stretch, to be honest with you. Yeah. I had to go back to my original um, intention as a why I decided to lift, not what was happening in the middle of all of that. Mm. That's why they always say when your why is big and your purpose is big, always start with why. Always start with why. And that why is going to carry you through the, tur- the turbulence, the ups and the downs. Great, great, and great you can redefine your why. So the reasons don't why get you married to your why. Something, yeah. So the reason why you want to continue something or not continue something, you're allowed to change your why too, mm. and that gives you power because it gives you choice. Yeah. If you always put yourself to one specific why in your life, then you will not see other possibilities as well, and you will put that like you know hat over your head. Yeah. This is this is me. That's it. You know. Yeah. Powerful stuff. I know when you are trying to accomplish something, get in the zone or you, you're trying to stay away from procrastination or you're trying to accomplish something. What is that system or that ritual or that app that you use to get Amna in the zone? Um, the first thing is I need to feel uh, a sense of conviction toward it. If I don't feel conviction, it's not happening. Okay, good. <laughs> so I need, to feel, I need to feel strongly about something and uh, I need to have that conviction of like complete belief in what I want to do whatever it is could be something small something big so yeah I'm a very deep person um Um, sometimes sometimes not so much but another conversation another conversation for a different different time Um, (laughs) um so what I do is what I told you earlier is the fact that I learned that so I have the conviction decide and take immediate action so even like when i used to like feel a bit of like a drop in my energy a bit of depression coming in i knew that just getting up and going for a drive and going for a walk can improve my state even if it's just like one two percent and over time the one two percent adds up so that's what i do to really get myself into the zone and uh, you know change how uh, my situation or how i see things and when it comes to performance, for example, when I was lifting, really, like, I just black out everything. And I don't know how to describe it. It just happens. Like, once my hands are on the bar, it just becomes a state of, like, if somebody's screaming my name, I will not hear it. Ah, 
nice disconnect you're in, yeah. in a state of flow exactly exactly so that state is it comes like naturally when i just want to achieve something and i really my focus is 100% is on it so yeah i mean that's like the only thing i could mention nice. is nothing nothing uh, wow but this no, but it it's, so having the convictions i mean knowing that what you're doing has a reason behind it or else you won't start it which is great no that's not that's not simple that's that's big I wanted to talk very quickly, just very briefly on the psychology of achievement, because you, you say, or I think in one of, I read in one of the articles, you mentioned that sometimes um, th- when, when the goal becomes all of our purpose and once achieving X or achieving Y becomes why we live, sometimes that f- leaves us feeling unsuccessful when we actually achieve it. So how should people think of success or how should people frame uh, or approach success in your view? Yeah. I would say success is a state of mind. It's not what you achieve. It's about believing and in your actions and having that sense of contentment. Uh, I don't again. Is that the right yeah, way of saying yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. like, oh, what's happening? Um, and, and what and what you're doing. So even if you like, I didn't personally achieve the Olympics myself, but I still consider my journey a success simply because, first of all. What I achieved in those years was something um, unheard of. We don't start from zero depressed to training for the Olympics and qualifying your country for the Olympics. That itself is huge to me. Um, the simple fact I continued throughout that path despite all the obstacles, that is success to me. So, so for me, it's not about, yes, being on that podium, lifting the weights. It's not about the numbers. It's not about the fact whether I went to Rio or somebody else did. It's more about believing that I did what I can to get to that point without allowing these obstacles and adversity to stop me. To me, that is success. So that is like a state of uh, the way I see things, my mindset about success. So whether I pick a box of something or not, it's not the final like final thing that makes you feel like, that's it. I achieved it. Yalla, the next yeah, yeah. So the thing is, the more you achieve, the more you feel like you always want to achieve and you will never feel that sense of, uh, yeah. you know? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. constantly, you know, what's next? What's next? What am I going to achieve next? Which exactly. is human nature, but we need to tone it down sometimes. Or be yeah, conscious and it's okay. It. And it's okay to tone it down. It's okay to, you know, spend some years focusing on doing some uh, work. Passive stuff, yeah. And other times, it's okay to, you know, spend that time to reflect on who you really are and who you want to be and how you want to uh, live in this world in this one lifetime you have. So so that's the thing when it comes to, like, success. It's um, everybody can define it differently. You can define it by, okay, fine, you want to open 10 businesses? Okay, do it. If you want to achieve success, uh, if you want it to be something where you wake up every single day feeling peaceful with yourself, regardless of how everything around you is, by all means, that is like the best kind of success you could ever achieve, having that inner peace and waking up in, at peace with yourself. To me, that is what real success is. Like, So whatever you achieve outside of you, yeah. it's outside of you. Yeah. You sometimes have control, so, yeah. you have control. Yeah, it's more about the journey, not the destination and all the, all these different things that you unlock within your personality and your potential along the way to get there is what matters. It's not really getting there because that's an underrated, yeah. um, it's an overrated uh, feeling situation. Once you get it, you get it. But then you go back to bed and, you know, wake up next morning and, you know, what's next otherwise? Yeah. 
one thing that I love and respect about the work that you're doing is how much you've been speaking openly and vulnerably about mental health and referencing your own journey in it. And that has become part of your mission and part of what you do to raise awareness in that. And, and the reason why I respect that is because for some reason in our region, the mental health topic is a taboo topic. People don't typically talk about it. You know, you, you don't just go to your friends and tell them, oh, I just had a therapy session yesterday. It's, it's something on the hush-hush. People don't like to talk about it because it, it requires vulnerability. But in your case, you were really, really vulnerable with your story. And I feel like when we are vulnerable as humans, that's when we impact others, uh, as you had mentioned earlier. So in this whole topic of mental health, I'll start with a very basic question. If someone listening to us today or anyone um, is going through a phase of mental health challenge, what initial steps would you recommend for them to take to get them on the right path of recovery? First of all, it's important for me to say that I am not a therapist. I'm not a counselor. I am just a mental health advocate. So I speak from my own experience and I can only give as much as I know. So don't take my word as the final word in any way. Um, and so when it comes to like mental health, it's a very unique experience for everyone, number one. So that looks different for everyone. Someone can be very depressed, but they're also a very high functioning person. Somebody, when they get very depressed, they just don't want to deal with the world. They want to stay home. They don't want to talk to anyone. And both of those things are fine because everyone deals with it differently. So first of all, don't be hard on yourself based on how you are dealing with it. Because sometimes when we are in that state of mind, we start to get angry at ourselves. Why am I like this? Why can't I do more? Why others, you know, we start it's to compare. Self-judgment. Yeah. Exactly. So take that away. And number two, always feel like, not feel like, but like, don't be afraid to ask for help. Talk to one friend that you trust completely or one family member. Yeah. You don't have to talk with a lot of people because not everybody would be able to give you what you need. Not everybody will know how to honor you while you are in that state of mind. There's very few people who can actually do that for you. So, for example, like I was going through a rough time and my best friend was going through a rough time at the same time. So what we did is we decided to be each other's accountability buddy. So we were sending, checking each other on each other every like week or every few days. And sometimes we don't even talk. We just send the heart. That itself can be like a simple way of saying, you know what, I love you. I'm thinking of you. I'm here. Sometimes the simple thing as that can make a huge difference uh, with the friend or, you know, and if you feel like you want, you're ready to seek therapy, then look, look, learn more about the therapists that are around you and make sure that they might actually understand your uh, situation, your background and culture. Because I had situations where I went to therapists and they didn't understand anything about like what I'm dealing with. And what they did is it was more harm than good by asking their own questions so it's important to like when i when i actually go to a therapist i spend time interviewing them the first time not the other way around which is good you need to vet your therapist because this guy is going to be or, or, or lady is going to take a huge part of your life so yeah طبعا, good exactly stuff. so the first session should not be about what they want to learn about you but what you want to learn about them yeah because you have as much right to your healing process as much as they think they might be able to help you with. Mm. So um, what could help someone is very different. You know, like for me, I like to go for a holistic view, like a, a, a approach, and it includes being physically active. Sometimes I swear to God, like simple things like doing a small, like five squats in my room. Like, okay, that's the only thing I can do in that day. Then, yeah. that's what I do. Yeah. At least I moved. I moved something in my body because 
if we stay stagnant, the feelings stay in our bodies. But if we like start to move, we start to move those emotions and they start yeah, to evaporate. True. true. From our, from because our emotions are energy in motion. So when you move, you literally let those energies go out. You free your system up a bit. Exactly. So then, so you don't have to go like all out to the, to the gym and run. And it could be something as simple. So like I, I like to give this example. If you were ever in a really, really bad state of like bad mental health where you just cannot even get out of bed for days and days, what I do is something very simple to remind myself I have a choice and that is I wiggle my toes. So I just wiggle <laughs> my toes and I laugh at myself and I yeah, laugh at nice. myself too because I'm like, okay. If I can right. do that, then I can do my next activity. Exactly. So something as simple as that can really play a huge difference in your process of getting back to a place where you feel okay again and it's okay to realize it's if you're not feeling okay it's okay it's a, it's all right to you know life has been difficult it can it will still be difficult in many ways some of us were having difficult life before this pandemic happened it's part of the human experience uh we go through ups and downs um and, and allow yourself to feel what you need to feel allow yourself but don't unpack and stay there for the rest of your life. That's the only thing I have to say. Like, allow yourself, like if you need two, three months to just like deal with your depression and you cannot do anything, you know what? Honor that. Honor that because you will get back stronger. You will get back stronger. But if you try so hard to fix yourself, then you're only causing yourself harm because by trying to fix yourself, you're telling yourself there's something wrong with you. And there is nothing, and there is nothing wrong with you if you're depressed, if you're unhappy, if you're feeling anger. Uh, if you have uh, different kind of illnesses as well, because you know mental health is a lot more than depression and anxiety. Yeah. There's many other yeah, uh, illnesses, and each are very unique. Yeah. So, so the main takeaway is, is basically don't be hard on yourself. It's okay. Honor the feeling that you're feeling. Uh, do an activity that uh, can help you and seek help. Like, don't be afraid to seek help. Like, those are the major takeaways. And yes, what you said is powerful because. Um, uh, sometimes we're very quick to ju judge ourselves. We're nicer to other people and to our friends than we are gentle on ourselves. So if we can be as gentle as we are to other people, to ourselves, that would create an impact. I wanted to explore that area more, but obviously I want to be conscious of your time. And typically I end my episodes with three rapid fire questions. I'll give, you one, I'll give you one question, one more question if you want to explore that, that topic more. Is it the relapse one? Okay. Is it, yeah, okay, perfect. Amazing. So another question in this world, and it's something that people often misunderstand about mental health, is that they think it's linear. They think if you start the process, you go from A to Z, from A to B to C, and it's linear, but that's not the case. It's cyclical. There are ups and downs. And you yourself talk about it openly about the relapses you've had. Tell me more about that and what's your view on it and what, what, what can you teach others about this process? It is normal to relapse. Sometimes we have triggers that cause us to just go back to that bad place. However, we do know the tools and better ways of handling it when it happens. So it doesn't necessarily have to be as, as major or as destructive or as painful. Again, it's normal to go through relapses as part of the human experience. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Understanding what caused the relapse can always help in preventing future relapses. So it is, you know, like when I was living in the U.S., I actually had a major relapse because I was living alone. Um, I had a lot of doors closed on me at the same time. So you can imagine how that can make someone feel like they're suffocating. And I felt like I was suffocating 
and I had no one to talk to. So I had a relapse then and I had to seek help to make sure that, you know, I don't end up hurting myself. And, uh, you know, through that, I learned to become stronger again. So it's just part of life to, you know, sometimes bad things happen. Love, and of course. So don't be too yeah, hard on so It's not like up. It never goes up. It goes up and down. Um, you know better the next time. You understand better the next time. You're more aware. You're more conscious. You have more knowledge. You have more tools. So you have a toolbox. Everybody have their own toolbox. Look at that toolbox of yours. See how you can manage to use what you have to improve where you are. Powerful stuff. I like the analogy of the toolbox. Tayyip, coming to the end of the conversation, three rapid fire questions. By the way, I never share those with my guests on purpose because I want you to just give me whatever comes to your mind. Don't overthink okay. it. Okay. The first question is, what piece of advice would you give your younger self? Um, don't worry too much about the future. It is what it is. Um, and the matter of fact is I cannot go back to my, and speak to my younger self, honestly. Like, actually, I thank her. I thank her for putting me through all of this to get me to where I am today. Because if it weren't for her, I wouldn't be where I am now. I so my, my future self really doesn't know much, but my younger self did all the work. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I never received such an ass. This is the first time I hear uh, uh, uh this take on it i like it <laughs> the second question is what is this one tip or hack you would give anyone to get them one day closer to that dream to that passion to that project that they are trying to accomplish we might have touched on it but what is that one tip or hack action 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 action, action. just take action just take action action, action is yeah. the antidote to fear the last question is what is it that amna still wishes to accomplish today and you can start the sentence with one day I would like to, or one day I would love to, one day I wish I could. One day uh, I will publish my book. Ah, nice. Are you working on a book now? Yes. <laughs> Excellent. That's cool. Maybe we'll get you for another episode and we can talk about that uh, book. I'm sure. Inshallah. <laughs> nice. That's amazing. Amna, thank you so much for your time and for the great uh, content you brought in today. And again, thank you for your vulnerability and putting yourself out there because your story is probably helping more people than you no and um, maybe the last thing is where can people follow you on instagram and social media uh thank you for so much for having me for having me Omar. it was a great conversation yes. i like it. it was very like uh just easy going light. very casual yeah. very light we touched on deep things but like at the same time <laughs> we kept it light a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um as for social media you can find me on instagram at amna.s.alhaddad um, I'm active in other social media, but I also have my website, which you can actually book me as a speaker, which is uh, www.amnalhaddad.com. So amazing. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Amna. And um, I'm pretty sure people will go onto your social media platforms and, and find a lot of helpful tools and content that can help them in their own journeys. Thank you so much, Amad. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you were able to pick up a thing or two that could help you in business or life. If you would like to hear more conversations like these and you're not yet a subscriber, go ahead and subscribe through your preferred podcast platform and follow us on Instagram at onedaythepodcast and you could reach me on my personal Instagram account at omajali. And last but not least, if you prefer to watch the full episode on video, then you can do so on our YouTube channel one day the podcast till next time